Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Wednesday, May 10th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Taylor Masetta. And I'm Maya Sargent. Here's What's What in the Big Apple. This afternoon, New York City Mayor Eric Adams held his first official press conference about the death of Jordan Neely. Neely died last week on the F train when he was placed in a chokehold by fellow passenger Daniel Penny. The circumstances surrounding his death are still being investigated. And while we have no control over that process, one thing we can control is how our city responds to this tragedy. One thing we can say for sure, Jordan Neely did not deserve to die. Protests have rippled throughout the city in the week following Neely's death, with advocates demanding charges be brought against Penny. And New York representatives like public advocate Jumani Williams have been vocal about the state of mental health in the city. Mayor Adams' remarks this afternoon echoed the need for improvements to mental health care. We cannot and will not accept this state of affairs. We will not walk by those in need, step over those who are suffering, or ignore those calls for help. We will respond with care, compassion, and action. George Santos, the Republican representative for the 3rd District of New York, has been charged with a 13-count indictment. His charges include seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, and one count of theft of public funds. The indictment was received yesterday at the United States District Court for the Eastern District of New York. And the charges against Santos were unsealed this morning. He'll be arraigned this afternoon in Central Islip. New Yorkers have taken to social media to air their opinions about Santos's arrest. Including Susan Lerner, the executive director of Common Cause New York, an organization dedicated to protecting fair practices in politics. She released a statement today calling for Mr. Santos to resign. Lerner said voters have been defrauded and that Santos should not be allowed to profit off of his deception. Today, we are joined by WFUV's Grace Galbraith, and she's here to talk to us about man's best friend. Grace, give us the lay of the land for our canine counterparts. Last night, the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show found Buddy Holly, a petite basset Griffon Van Dion, to be best in show. Buddy Holly's owner and trainer, Janice Hayes, named Buddy Holly in memory of the American singer. She has competed at Westminster two times prior to winning this year. So what's next for the pup? Today, Buddy Holly will celebrate on the 86th floor of the Empire State Building, which lit up purple and gold last night to honor the show. In other dog news, today, 50 dogs will be arriving at JFK Airport from East Asia. That's one really long travel journey. And why are 50 dogs coming to the city? Well, the nonprofit organization No Dogs Left Behind evacuated the animals from the East Asia meat trade. The organization will be there to welcome the dogs at the airport today. So, Grace, could you tell us a little bit about No Dogs Left Behind? The nonprofit was founded by Jeffrey Berry. The organization works to rescue dogs and help them find their forever homes. If any New Yorkers are interested, you can adopt, foster, and even sponsor dogs through No Dogs Left Behind. This is all making me very tempted to get a dog, despite my tiny New York apartment. Thanks for joining us, Grace. Thanks for having me. Each year, the organization PEN America hosts the World Voices Festival, which celebrates writers and international literature. 
Pen America's mission includes protecting creative expression and pushing back against censorship. This year's festival will feature over 100 writers, including Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Ayad Akhtar. Discussion panels will talk about writing sequels, book bans, and whether writers owe anything to their audiences or not. The festival starts in New York City tonight and runs until May 13th. A festival pass for the entire weekend starts at $75. And today in entertainment history, in 1969, Frank Sinatra's version of My Way reached the British Top 10 charts. You know, Maya, fellow singer Paul Anka actually rewrote the original French version of My Way for Sinatra after he heard that his friend was considering quitting music. Anka also reshaped the melody and lyrics to fit Sinatra's vocals. It's been almost a year since Roe vs. Wade was overturned. During that time, we've heard from women about how that landmark legislation impacted them. WFUV's Megan Oftimat has a different kind of story. One from the history books about what it was like for women long before Roe was implemented. Family secrets can stay hidden forever. These secrets are the empty spaces and scrapbooks where photos were ripped out and torn up. Some secrets go to the grave. Others surface suddenly and without warning. And just like that, they aren't secrets anymore. I needed to tell the story. You need to hear the story. That's my mom's friend, Linda Richards. A few years back, Linda told my mom a story, and my mom told me. I've been thinking about Linda's story a lot lately. I am the only one out of all the grandchildren that my grandmother had that she told this story to. I have housed this story in my heart from the time I met with her way back in 1964. That year, Linda was living in Santa Monica when her grandmother Mary came to visit her. Mary was in her early 70s at the time. Linda and her grandmother were really close and she thought she knew everything there was to know about her. Until her grandmother told her something, she had never told anyone. And she says to me, Linchka, she says, I have something to tell you. I did abortions with wooden spoons. I learned how to by watching it done and then tried with the abortionist watching me. And the next part is extremely important. I never took any money. I have never told anyone, not even your mother, what I did. To understand why Linda's grandmother, Mary, was part of an underground abortion network, we have to go back in time to the 30s in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. 1929, the financial house of cards collapses and the overinflated stock market plunges into a great depression. This Midwestern neighborhood was made up of mostly poor, working-class European immigrants from Poland, Germany, Croatia, Italy, and Slovenia. Linda's grandmother, Mary, had immigrated to the United States from present-day Slovenia in 1912. Nearly everyone in the community worked in factories, and when the Depression descended on Cleveland, they all lost their jobs. A financial panic grips the world. People were 
desperate. Linda's grandparents, Mary and Frank, owned a grocery store. Their neighbors were so poor, they couldn't pay for their groceries. Linda's grandfather, Frank, would let them leave without paying, adding their food to tabs he knew would never be covered. So the women who came to the grocery store, some of them were so poor that they just couldn't afford to feed another mouth. The other group of women were women who had children and were exhausted. Their bodies they knew could not bear another child. And my grandmother heard their stories and she felt a great deal of compassion for them. If they needed an abortion, they'd let my grandmother know they were suffering. Sharing this story means acknowledging why these abortions were necessary. Back then, women were expected to have children. Even if the number of children in their home exceeded their financial bandwidth, preventing pregnancy wasn't always an option. There was, like, no way to practice any birth control. The only thing you could do is abstain. But abstinence wasn't always an option either. So, Linda's grandmother, Mary, decided to do something to help these women. She gave one woman an abortion, then another, and another. And so, like in a game of telephone, the women whispered, and by word of mouth, they shared the news about Mary's service. Mary never told anyone what she did, and she waited 30 years to tell her granddaughter, Linda. When I think back to my whole family and what they're like, I was certainly the perfect person for my grandmother to tell the story. Linda was the lone progressive outlier in a traditionally conservative family. She didn't associate abortion with shame or sin. I knew I couldn't tell my family because there's a Catholic priest in the family, one of the grandchildren. For years, Linda was afraid that if she spilled her grandmother's secret, it would tarnish the family's memory of her. But Linda doesn't want the story to end with her. I've just turned 80. You know, there's not a lot of time. And so here you come with this opportunity to share this story with the universe. And Linda hasn't just shared her grandmother's story. She's also dedicated her energy to helping women receive abortion care today. She started volunteering at an abortion clinic in Cleveland called Preterm. And in 2005, she found a way to honor her grandmother's work. And I said, I'm going to send you a check for $2,000, and I'd like my grandmother, Mary Vidmar, to be honored because she did abortions, and I think they were done during the Depression in the 30s. Preterm, which is a short drive from where I grew up, is one of six full-service abortion clinics left in the state of Ohio. Each year, the number of clinics providing abortion services in the state drops. In 2014, Ohio had 17 facilities. In 2017, that number dropped to 14. Today, there are only nine facilities that offer abortion services. 
the state has been given new freedom to peel back access following the reversal of Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court decision that previously provided federal protection to the right to an abortion in the United States. A sweeping, deeply consequential decision from the nation's highest court ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade. The court overturned nearly 50 years of abortion precedents in a ruling that was a first. Never before has the court Today, granted... The court answer that question again, this time on a 5-4 to four vote, taking away what was regarded as a fundamental... In right. June of last year, after Roe was repealed, Ohio banned abortion after around six weeks of pregnancy. And even though the law is tied up in the courts and hasn't gone into effect, Every time a new piece of legislation is pushed forward in my home state of Ohio, whether it's banning abortion earlier and earlier, or forcing doctors to cremate fetal tissue, or pushing non-medically necessary ultrasounds on women seeking abortions, I think about Linda's grandmother. I don't know what she'd be like with the freedom that she would have today in our world. She certainly had the makings for an activist. I think about how much her grandmother Mary risked to provide reproductive care to women who didn't have access. And I think about how little has changed in nearly 100 years. Access is still hard to come by. Over 90% of counties in Ohio don't have facilities that offer abortion. An entire culture war was born out of the battle over abortion. Mary may not be here, but her pulse is the steady undercurrent that pushes women to protect each other, to help each other, and to fight for each other. All the women who do all the work that they're doing today with a cause such as this are supported by women like my grandmother from the past. Linda says that her grandmother would be proud that her story is being told. And, given the circumstances, that her story needs to be told. Her sense of urgency to share the story now is just as strong as her grandmother's was back in 1964. She must have felt she's growing older. Somebody needs to know, and let me use this word, the contribution that I've made to the world. And 60 years later, we finally know. With WFUV News, I'm Megan Oftermat. That was WFUV's Megan Oftermat sharing Linda Richards' story about how her grandmother lived in a world without access to abortion. And that's our show for today. I'm Maya Sargent. And I'm Taylor Massetta. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, and culture. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.